At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. Special Counsel Jack Smith is reportedly constructing a conspiracy charge against Donald Trump, some form of conspiracy to obstruct a congressional proceeding. Doesn't sound like much until you hear that the jail term is up to 20 years. And it sounds exactly like the kind of case that could be broadened to charge everybody from Trump to half his cabinet. CBS News has reported and then inexplicably buried that Smith is, quote, looking into a possible conspiracy case against Trump and people around him about trying to block the congressional proceedings on January 6th. Sources who are close to the grand jury say that witnesses are being asked about what kind of national security levers Trump was asking about in those final days. So everybody's rushing to hand wring about the threats against Alvin Bragg and the threats made by House Republicans and the threat that Trump would draw less than 10,000 people to his first campaign event. And Robert Costa over here from CBS has stumbled over a gold mine and put it on the air once. And then CBS didn't even write it up as a story. It just clipped the video of him ad-libbing this on Face the Nation, even though it is the clearest picture so far of exactly what shape the special counsel's indictments of Trump will probably look like when they happen. I just don't think CBS understands what it has in this report. Costa framed it thusly, and again quoting him, the special counsel is tightening his investigation around Trump when it comes to January 6th, now compelling some of his top aides and allies to testify under oath, unquote. Costa then names Mark Meadows and former National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien and former Director of National Intelligence John Ratcliffe. And they and others are being made to testify, again quoting Costa of CBS, about their private conversations with Trump. That means there's no executive privilege they can cite to try to block any kind of testimony on those issues, unquote. 
Well, there is a boatload of obstruction statutes that specify Congress or apply to Congress towards which Costas scoop points. But the three that seem to fit best and are the juiciest start with 18 U.S. Code 1512C2, routinely referred to as corruptly obstructing, influencing, or impeding an official proceeding, and rather succinctly stating, quote, Whoever otherwise obstructs, influences, or impedes any official proceeding or attempts to do so shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both. And if that title number sounds at all familiar, first, I bet you keep score during baseball spring training games, don't you? And second, it actually should sound familiar because 18 U.S. Code 1512C2 has been used against approximately 300 defendants who actually broke into the Capitol complex on January 6th. There's also 18 U.S. Code 1505, obstruction of proceedings before departments, agencies, and committees, which is five years for whoever corruptly influences, obstructs, or impedes, or endeavors to influence, obstruct, or impede the due and proper administration of the law under which any inquiry or investigation is being had by either house or any committee of either house, or any joint committee of the Congress. And thirdly, there's also the General Conspiracy Against the United States statute, which is 18 U.S. Code 371. If two or more persons conspire either to commit any offense against the United States or to defraud the United States or any agency thereof in any manner or for any purpose, each shall be fined or imprisoned not more than five years or both. When Costas said that Meadows and O'Brien and Ratcliffe have been or will be asked about, quote, what kind of national security levers Trump was asking about in those final days, they are basically being told we have three pretty powerful statutes to metaphorically wring your neck with, and the maximum sentence under all three is a combined 30 years, so perhaps you would like to testify against Trump and he can go to the penitentiary instead of you. Looking into a possible conspiracy case and tightening his investigation is neither a conviction nor an indictment, but it does give you that first pencil sketch of what the final building would look like. And the department already has more than 70 convictions on 18 U.S. Code 1512C2, corruptly obstructing, so it has a lot of experience on how to proceed against a defendant. That one over there with the especially long, stupid-looking tie. And of course, this is not all Jack Smith is pursuing Trump on. Last Friday saw the extraordinary scene of a Trump lawyer, Evan Corcoran, being compelled by the courts to testify against his own client in the Mar-a-Lago stolen classified documents case. Costa's reporting underscored that that potential indictment is still fully in place, too, detailing that on Friday, Corcoran had to face the special counsel's grand jury and again, quoting Costa, share audio files, notes, details about all his conversations with Trump, about how Trump handled those federal requests about classified documents. What was Trump doing during that time? If Costa is accurate in this story and the special counsel follows through, it is going to make Donald Trump nostalgic for those dear old innocent days in which he was only charged with paying off Stormy Daniels. And his biggest worry was her response to a, quote, Christian conservative who last night MAGA explained to her, quote, President Trump wouldn't touch you with a 10 foot pole, to which Stormy Daniels replied, true, 
he used a three-inch one. The Daniels case remains imperative, too, because nothing increases our chances of sending Trump to the big house more than multiple indictments, multiple arrests, and multiple trials in multiple states and federal jurisdictions. And lost behind everything else since he threatened death and destruction Friday were he to be indicted by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office just before that package of white powder and I'm going to kill you Alvin notes showed up there, Trump the prophet has now made each of the only three possible predictions about New York, and in less than one week as well. It was Trump, after all, not Bragg, nor anybody else on the inside who claimed that Trump would be arrested last Tuesday, and he wasn't. And then it was Trump, after all, who completely dropped the subject during his Ku Klux Hitler Klan rally in Waco, and then proceeded to insist to reporters on the flight back from Texas that, quote, I think they've already dropped the case. It's a fake case. Some fake cases, they have absolutely nothing. They've already dropped the case from what I understand. But before that, Trump, having already chosen door number one and being seconds away from choosing door number three, actually also managed to choose door number two. Quote, don't ask me any more questions. I have no idea what's going to happen. And there you have it. He's going to be arrested, but they've dropped the case from what he understands, and he has no idea what's going to happen. Clearly, the three fascist congressmen who believe to flip the Watergate special prosecutor Archie Cox's famous warning on its head that this is a government of men and not laws, those three guys still have their bets down on Trump will be arrested for paying off Stormy Daniels and violating election and business records laws. You will recall that Bragg brushed off a letter from Jamie Comer, whose college girlfriend says he beat her, and Jim Jordan, who is accused of covering up rape at Ohio State, and Brian Stile, who appears to have misled the Capitol Police into opening a January 6th video viewing station they thought was for congressmen, but was actually for Tucker Carlson. Though the three are impotent when it comes to enforcing any kind of contempt of Congress resolution that might be enforced against Bragg, in fact, the odds are long, but it's still better that Bragg could pursue them for obstruction of justice. These three knuckleheads wrote back to Bragg upping the ante. And if it were not something out of the Third Reich legal system, it would be hilarious. Quoting their second letter over the weekend, the committee on the judiciary, as part of its broad authority to develop criminal justice legislation, must now consider whether to draft legislation that would, if enacted, insulate current and former presidents from such improper state and local prosecutions, unquote. Comer, Jordan, and Style swerved even further into oncoming traffic by making this a political crime. And again, quoting these three stooges, the potential criminal indictment of a former president of the United States by an elected local prosecutor of the opposing political party implicates substantial federal interests. Come on, boys. You know you want to take it one step further still. You know you want to tell Bragg that your new law will make it illegal for him to indict Trump because he's black and Trump is, well, whatever color that is. But even in its non-Jim Crow form, it's brilliant. A Trump can never be guilty law, which, even if it were somehow passed and got through the Democratic Senate, and was signed by the Democratic president, still wouldn't apply to any indictment of Trump that Bragg were to make now. 
That would be called an ex post facto law, and those aren't legal. And it also would protect Biden against crazy Republican prosecutors. It is pure fascist grandstanding for the pure fascist for whom Trump grandly stands. Comer, of course, did manage to dig his Trump obedience hole still deeper personally, asked repeatedly about trying to interfere with a New York City prosecution and answering repeatedly, this is a presidential candidate, which has the obvious impact of helping out both you at home and your faithful narrator here by reminding us that whatever we want to do, whether we want to park without feeding the meter or we want to, say, shoot up a large resort in some Atlantic seaboard state, we cannot be pursued by the law, providing we have declared ourselves presidential candidates. As an aside, I will repeat that for 30 years I have insisted democracy is preserved less by those of us who struggle on its behalf and more because of the repeated rake-stepping by the idiots who would undermine democracy. I will now add that when I say idiots, I mean Representative Jamie Comer. On the other hand, bogus, impotent, and stillborn, though they may be the various draft legislations by Comer and the other Hitler youth, still represent something closer to actual, I don't know, what's the word, action, than all the hand-wringing about Trump's stochastic terrorism against Alvin Bragg on Thursday and Friday. The minority leader, Akeem Jeffries, is of course right. Trump's threats are, quote, dangerous, and if he keeps it up, he's going to get somebody killed. And other platitudes, ending with an early nomination for 2023 Susan Collins Award, quote, clearly he has not learned his lesson. Norm Eisen, the former impeachment co-counsel and Obama White House ethics counsel, managed to come up with, off the top of his head, I believe, four crimes for which Trump could be prosecuted. Harassment in the first degree, NYPL 240.25. Menacing in the second degree, NYPL 120.14. Stalking in the fourth or third degree, NYPL 120.45 and 120.50. But of course, it's one thing for Norm Eisen to quote laws or for Jamie Comer to make up new laws. And it's quite another for somebody in office to actually do something. I mean, in political office. As the guardrails, we grew up believing protected our freedoms and our nation from the various threats that, oh, who am I kidding, from Trump turn out to be paper mache I like to turn back to that scoop CBS does not know it has, and that one quote about that one guy in a different kind of office, that fellow Jack Smith and the Costa observation that, quote, sources who are close to the grand jury say witnesses are being asked about what kind of national security levers Trump was asking about in those final days, because convicting him on trying to use some kind of fake national security threat or something about Venezuela or Italy or wherever to obstruct congressional proceedings, that's not only exactly the crime for which Trump should be tried, but also, and especially in this, the time of Stormy Daniels, it provokes the perfect imagery, sending Trump to jail for holding his lever in his hand.
Still ahead of us in this edition of Countdown, let us not skip over that little bit with the white powder at the DA's office. The proverbial and time-tested fake anthrax. I know this story all too well. I was the victim of it four separate occasions, and I'm here to tell you it is a lot less fake than it sounds. In postscripts to the news, Israel is coming apart at the seams. The saddest part of it, at least from this perspective, is we all here need to take notes because the idea of a national leader getting himself reelected to office solely to avoid being prosecuted and then changing his entire nation's judicial system and system of government just to protect his own sorry ass is playing out right now in Israel. The next mass protests and general strikes to stop fascism may be our own. And how bad is it in Russia? A Russian actress is claiming that the Russian COVID vaccine was a way to make Russians easy targets for American rockets during the war in Ukraine. I mean, this is so crazy. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. thinks it's crazy. Uh, no, he probably doesn't. Worst person's coming up. That's next. This is Countdown. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now wherever you listen. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. Postscripts to the news, some headlines, some updates, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline Tel Aviv, the former senior Israeli general and current defense minister, Yoav Gallant, said it was time for the Netanyahu government to delay or stop the radical reorganization of the democracy designed to give the government the right to overrule the judiciary. Gallant said it made Israel vulnerable and threatened the democracy. And last night... Gallant was fired by the Prime Minister Netanyahu, and all hell broke loose in Israel. Protesters took over main highways in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. The government used water cannon on them. The nation's consul general in New York City resigned, and general strikes were called for Monday at six universities and by the nation's top union. And local mayors will begin a hunger strike in Jerusalem. 16% of Israelis say they have participated in the protests. 
Netanyahu's aides met with him late into the night last night, and many urged him to stop the judicial remodeling. He seemed intent on sticking to his schedule of getting the legislation passed this week. It is being pushed by the religious right that put him in office, and it would also protect Netanyahu from prosecution. Note well what is happening there. A second Trump administration, and we will have to protest in this same way. And Dateline San Francisco, Elon Musk bought Twitter for $44 billion in October. The New York Times says it has seen an email sent to Twitter employees in which Musk says Twitter is now worth $20 million. Happily, as Musk insulted William Shatner on the topic of the disappearing verification check mark, that'll show a 92-year-old old man his place. He can now pay $7 a month and keep his blue check mark. And Musk will make his $24 million loss back, provided Shatner pays the $7, along with just $3,428,570 of his friends. Still ahead, ever gotten fake anthrax in the mail? Four separate times? Once with the return address... Jay Leno, Burbank, California? You haven't? Happily, I have, so I can tell you what it's like inside Alvin Bragg's office on Friday when he got some. First time for the Daily Roundup, the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze, Senator Marsha Glitz and Glitter Blackburn who now complains, quote, the Democrats simply can't help themselves. The words ban and control have entered their daily vocabulary. Historian Kevin Cruz found seven times just in the last two years that bans were called for on Twitter by Senator Marsha Glitzen Glitter Blackburn. Ban vaccine mandates, ban CTR, ban TikTok, ban Confucius Institutes. Ban the Chinese Communist Party from buying U.S. farmland. Ban Chinese nationals from buying U.S. farm. Ban Chinese owning U.S. farmland. Wait, Marcia, no bans for fake rhinestones for Christmas? The runner-up, shared by these dolts like Ian Miles Chong and Cat Turd and the rest of the board of directors of Twitter. Oh, no, that's a different list. I'm sorry. They have pushed the latest... You know, you've seen too many movies, conspiracy. The idea that Senator John Fetterman has been replaced by a body double. Look, his head is different shape. And why is he smiling? It's a conspiracy. He's a Chinese communist and Antifa and probably listens to NPR. And maybe he was dead and they brought him back to life. Though why they, oh, why they bring him back to life? Not JFK Jr. Oh, no, that's right. JFK Jr. is that unshaven guy in the stupid hat. Anyway. Leave it to Newsweek to point out that the quote new unquote photo of John Fetterman with the different shaped head and the face that isn't really his, that new photo is from May 22nd of last year. It was taken as he left the hospital while he was still lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania and it was literally in all the papers. Can we stop with the body doubles and clones and replicant thing already? There are no body doubles or clones or replicants, except for the 17 different Melania Trumps, of course. But our winner, the Russian actress Maria Shukshina. Maria Shukshina went on Russian TV and proved that Tucker Carlson is not the craziest person on television in the world, and Maria Bartiromo is not the dumbest one. 
Maria Shukshina says that the Sputnik COVID vaccine is an American biological weapons program designed to inject tracking chips into Russians so that American HIMARS rockets will find them and kill them in Ukraine. Which sounds like a great idea, except for the one small problem that the Sputnik COVID vaccine that was designed to let Americans kill Russians, it was manufactured in Russia. We had nothing to do with it. Maria Shukshina, you know, I'm just never going to be able to view and enjoy her performance as mum in the hit film Bury Me Behind the Baseboard in quite the same way again. Today's worst person in the world! At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Still ahead on Countdown, I knew it was fake anthrax. The FBI knew it was fake anthrax. The guy who sent it all four times knew it was fake anthrax. And we all agreed. You still have to treat it like it's real anthrax, because what if you're wrong? Inside what Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's office went through last Friday, next... First, in each edition of Countdown, to feature a dog in need you can help. Every dog has its day. Back to the New York Pound, a place that is fatal for dogs. It is one thing to leave a dog at a kill pound. It is another to leave notes that ensure they will kill him. Shadow is a black dog. He's also a pity. And they said he nipped them for food. That's about it. Of course, rule one with big dogs is do not walk towards them with food, which they did twice. In the pound, he has been overjoyed to see some of the staff, has particular favorites. He greeted other dogs with a loose body. The best bet is for our pledges to help a rescue save him and retrain him. Look for Shadow on my Twitter feed and your tweets, your retweets, can help save him too. I thank you and Shadow thanks you. the day of the envelope with the anthrax in it that arrived at my apartment. It was 16 years ago this Sunday. 
well, the first envelope with the anthrax in it. And it wasn't obviously really anthrax, though the sender said it was. But you would be surprised how much the FBI and Homeland Security and other people in hazmat suits are not willing to just act on what is or is not obvious about fake anthrax. But first, the Olbermann non-anthrax anthrax letters story has a backstory. We'll start with this reminder. You should never believe any source story you read in the New York Post or indeed in or on any media outlet owned by the Murdochs, like Fox News. They occasionally do report real things, but just as often they make stuff up. Not exaggerate or get slightly wrong or spin for political purposes, but utterly fabricate. On April 11, 2005, the Post was to run such a story. Only under the threat of multiple lawsuits did the Post spike the story. I've never told this thing before, but I was reminded of it the other day, and I think going through the mechanics of it will illustrate just how evil an organization News Corp actually is. Like you didn't know that from the existence of Tucker Carlson. But more importantly, how unreliable it is as a source of news, even for people who agree with it politically. As a New York Post page six gossip story, this one had everything. It attacked MSNBC. It had quotes from informed sources. Even at one point, it had a witness. It had somebody insulting Peter Jennings right after the late ABC anchorman revealed he had lung cancer. And it was constructed in such a way that if I did not comment on it, they could print the story, then come back the next day and rehash it and add that I was still refusing to comment on it. But there was one overriding problem. It was a complete fabrication. It was full of events that did not happen and people who did not exist. New York Post page six contacted MSNBC's then media relations guy, Jeremy Gaines, on Thursday, April 7th, 2005. And this was the story they told him. Me, a, quote, frequent critic of President Bush had refused to anchor the coverage of the death of Pope John Paul II, pretended to be ill, and called in sick instead. The major problem with their story was I had anchored the coverage of the death of Pope John Paul II. I had been anchoring primetime coverage for hours each weeknight leading up to the pontiff's passing. There were viewers who saw me, studio staffers. Carl Bernstein was our in-studio papal expert and remembered seeing me there. There were videotapes of me anchoring. This did not stop the post. In the first version of their story, page six told us that their unnamed source had been on board the Amtrak Acela train from Washington to New York, sitting near my agent as my agent talked to somebody on a cell phone. Their witness said my agent complained that I had had a, quote, meltdown after, quote, calling in sick rather than anchor the papal coverage, which I anchored. But there was more. Quote, Alderman, a frequent critic of the president's policies, said it was better in sports. They quoted my agent quoting me into the phone. She supposedly said, I'll be dealing with this all day now. Apart from the fact that I had anchored the coverage the Post claimed I had not anchored, there was another major flaw in the story. My agent was not on a train from Washington to New York on the day in question nor the week in question, nor, in fact, the year in question. She told me she thought she had once been on a train from Washington to New York in the year 1967. My agent at the time lived atop Mount Shasta in California and so seldom left there that when she once drove to town to get the mail, I asked her for full details because I jokingly suggested we should lead the news with it. 
So the next day, Friday, April 8th, New York Post page six came back with a different version of their story. They had misheard their source. Of course, it wasn't my agent on the phone from train from D.C. to New York. It was a woman who worked for my agent, a woman named Susan, a woman named Susan, whom I had, they would report, already phoned three times that morning and was to meet urgently at the boathouse in Central Park, presumably because the middle of Grand Central Station would have been a little too public. MSNBC's Jeremy Gaines responded again with some irrefutable refutations. Nobody named Susan worked for my agent. In fact, sorry, Post, nobody at all worked for my agent. She was independent. She had a working relationship with a small Los Angeles agency, which basically covered her phone when she was on vacation, which was almost never because she never left the top of Mount Shasta. We called that agency and they confirmed they not only did not have anybody working for them named Susan, but nobody from their agency was even on the East Coast so far that year. At this point, I called the television columnist of the New York Post, who I knew a little and off the record, explained to him that I was furious and getting ready to sue, but that NBC was far angrier than I was and that they were going to sue as well and sue the editor of Page Six personally in an effort to put him out of business. I calmly went through the facts of this. This guy, who had a conscience, sighed, said he got these kinds of calls more often than I would believe, and I said, no, I'd believe it. And he said he would go to the editor of Page Six and explain somebody was lying to the editor of Page Six, and he was going to get himself sued into bankruptcy over a really obviously untrue and completely disproven story. A couple of hours later, New York Post page six called again, demanding a comment from me on a third different version of their exclusive papal scoop. No, the woman their witness heard, who they first said was my agent, then said she'd gotten it wrong. It was a woman named Susan who worked for my agent, had now become a woman who worked for my agent whose name the witness never heard, but she was talking to somebody else named Susan. And there was an additional quote that appeared out of nowhere. I'll be dealing with this all day now was gone. It was replaced with I'll be dealing with this all day now. The same week Peter Jennings makes his announcement about having lung cancer. This idiot, a frequent president, President Bush critic, is sitting around in his pajamas calling me about this. Years later, a former gossip reporter and Murdoch's employee explained to me that uh, his celebrity and gossip people are taught never to back down from a confrontation and that if the subject of one of their hit jobs fights back or tries to refute or especially threatens legal action to keep making the story worse and worse for them. And in the first decade of this century, you were supposed to try to work in a defense of George W. Bush. But there's also what they called an emergency exit. If there is no question that the story is nonsensical, the basic spine of the story does not line up with provable facts, just abandon it. Don't tell the subject of your attack that you are abandoning it. Just don't make any more phone calls and don't send any more emails about it. Just vanish. And then send the name of the subject around to all the other Murdoch operations to see if they can come up with any dirt on the subject to punish them for fighting back against the Murdoch lies. Well, it took the New York Post a year and a half after dropping this story. They never called back about Susan or my agent or the boathouse in Central Park again. But on September 26, 2006, I opened an envelope bearing a California postmark at my home in New York and a sticky substance. It looked like Drano mixed with talcum powder fell out. An accompanying note said it was anthrax and now I and other liberals would get a taste of our own medicine. 
Even reading those chilling words and having covered the actual anthrax letters attacks of 2001 for CNN, I knew it wasn't anthrax. The guy who supposedly sent the actual anthrax was an expert in the field, and even he mishandled the stuff so badly that the official report was he gave himself anthrax poisoning and died of it. On the other hand, what if I was wrong? My apartment building was filled with little old ladies who had lived there since Roosevelt was president. I only assumed that meant Franklin Roosevelt. The odds were about one in a trillion this was actually anthrax, but who was I to dismiss this on their behalf? So I made a phone call. Well, that made it into quite an evening. The cops showed up. The FBI showed up. They said, of course, it's not anthrax, but we have to act like it is. The hazmat squad came in. They set up a command post in the building. They swept my apartment. They said, okay, now you have to go to the emergency room for tests. And I said, it's not anthrax. You just said so. And they said, if we have to do this, you have to do this too. I laughed. And if you don't, we can arrest you as a threat to public health and make you do it. So out I went into an ambulance dressed in a hazmat suit, one size too small that really chafed in the groin. I spent the night getting checked out, and the FBI called back and said, it's like Drano with uh, ivory soap flakes. But they also said there were other letters that had arrived that night and the night before and the week before to people like the chairman of CBS and David Letterman's office and Nancy Pelosi and the wrong John Stewart. And they couldn't make me do this, but it would really help if I did not report what had happened to me on my TV show just for one day because they had a lead on the guy and they didn't want to scare him off. Naturally, I said, sure. The next day, while we were still observing the embargo on the story, my story, which actually happened to me, New York Post page six ran a picture of me with the headline, Powder Puff Spooks Keith, and making sure to identify me as, quote, can you guess? A frequent critic of President Bush's policies. It mocked me for not just assuming it was fake anthrax and ignoring it and claimed I insisted the cops take me to the hospital. Quote, whether they gave him a lollipop on the way out isn't known. By the way, one of the anthrax letters in 2001, the actual anthrax letters had been mailed to the New York Post and one of their staffers contracted the anthrax poisoning. But that didn't seem to matter anymore when it was a chance to take a shot at me. Anyway, as it turned out, there was a guy in California sending out these threatening letters, each with fake anthrax, to about a dozen people. He sent me four of them. I soon knew the FBI guys on the case by their first names. And one day I pointed out to FBI Doug that the last envelope had a barcode on it that maybe could track the guy. And he said, oh, you're right. And the next thing I knew, the FBI had videotaped the suspect mailing yet another letter to me from his home in Woodland Hills, California. And I swear to God, he actually lived in his mother's basement. And FBI Doug said, do we have your permission to pull the letter out of the mailbox and open it? And I said, sure. And the guy wound up going to prison for like 18 months. But not before FBI Doug said, by the way, the barcode you noticed, it was for the post office here. And that's where we found his address and the fact that he'd uh, bought all this stuff and purchased a postal money order for $15 made out to the Catherine Harris for Florida Senate campaign. And that led us to his online history, which is all about how. She is the most beautiful woman in the world, Catherine Harris, except for maybe some gal named Laura something, the most beautiful woman in history. And I said, Laura, Laura Ingram. And FBI Doug said, yeah, that's it, Laura Ingram. 
And if that isn't 10 years of my life in one sentence, I don't know what is. done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. Here are the credits. Most of the music was arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel, who are the Countdown Musical Directors. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray, produced by TKO Brothers. Other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Olderman theme from ESPN2, and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc., Musical comments from Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was Richard Lewis. Everything else, pretty much my fault. So that's Countdown for this, the 811th day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Arrest him now while we still can. The next scheduled Countdown is tomorrow. Until then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare open a limited time 11 month certificate at kemba financial credit union at 5.25 percent apy it's more than triple the national average plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details offer expires may 31st 2024 apy equals annual percentage yield restrictions apply 500 minimum and two hundred fifty thousand dollars maximum deposit advantage status required comparison based on bank rate average federally insured by ncua